I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, you're about to get smarter in just a few minutes with Curiosity Daily from Discovery. Time flies when you're learning super cool stuff. I'm Nate. And I'm Callie. If you're dropping in for the first time, welcome to Curiosity, where we aim to blow your mind by helping you to grow your mind. If you're a loyal listener, welcome back. Today, you will learn about the colors of climate change, the benefits of exercising with your pals, and the science behind the highs and lows of online dating. Without further ado, let's satisfy some curiosity. In the Dominican Republic, divers who depend on the sea for their livelihoods have a special and extremely detailed vocabulary for describing the color of the waters. Like it gets more specific than, I don't know, blue? Way more specific. Like if they say the water is purple, that means it's super pure and pristine. But yellow water means it's full of agricultural runoff. You know, if you if you dive there, you'll get rashes and ear infections, and they say it'll make you all nervous and antsy. Okay, yeah, that is specific. Yep. Chocolate brown water comes during hurricane season. Methylene blue happens when there's just not enough oxygen in the water. So it's a way of describing conditions based on distinct visual cues. And here's the thing. Some people think this kind of observation can be really helpful in describing the effects of climate change. Okay, that is interesting. Like, we describe climate change as rainy or hot or humid. It's usually based on how it feels. Exactly right. But some studies are finding that one interesting side effect of climate change is how it will shape the colors that we see in nature. So we'll actually be able to see climate change. Uh, Believe it or not, you already can. A study published in the journal Nature that analyzed satellite data found that over half the world's oceans have become greener over the past 20 years. That's probably due to dissolving organic matter or a boost in phytoplankton, which would both be due to changing water temps. And some areas of the Arctic are becoming greener, too. That seems like a pretty obvious consequence of a warming Arctic, right? Yeah, what's worse is that some of the Arctic is actually turning brown, which indicates that the vegetation that's already there is dying. We did a story not so long ago about how the forests are taking up less CO2 than they once were, and one of the clues that scientists found to indicate that was the color of the trees, right? Exactly. The trees are less green, which suggests that photosynthesis is slowing down due to warming temps and less moisture for them to drink. Speaking of trees, what do you think of when you imagine New England in the fall? I mean, leaves, reds and yellows and oranges. The foliage is pretty iconic. Mm -hmm. Well, better see why you can, because warmer nighttime temps are likely to cause the fall foliage to become less vibrant and colorful each year. (laughs) Okay, hayrides just won't be the same anymore. And that's the bigger point here. Science writer Sujata Gupta wrote of her experience in her community in Burlington, Vermont. After her state experienced a massive rainfall this summer, she noticed that Lake Champlain had changed colors in certain areas. You can see colors change after droughts, too, actually. Uh, Grass turns yellow, plants wilt, everything gets a little grayer. Exactly. We all experience the colors of our world every single day. And when something changes, we tend to take notice. When we become more attuned to those changes and connect them with what's going on in the atmosphere around us, 
it helps us grasp the many ways that climate change is affecting our own communities. So fighting climate change doesn't just mean we have to understand the science or pay attention to how it feels or study Arctic melting thousands of miles away. Nope. All we have to do is open our eyes. There are about a bajillion studies on the benefits of exercise. We've talked about a ton of them on the show, in fact. Right. Like, it's uh, important to walk for five minutes every half hour. And you get major benefits even if you only take, like, 2,500 steps a day. Exactly. The long and short of it is that exercise is good and sitting around is bad. But there are studies out there that show it's not just how we exercise or for how long that's important. It also matters who we exercise with. Oh, no. You're not going to tell me we have to get, like, a personal trainer if we want to get in shape, are you? <laughs> nope. All you have to do is uh, coerce a couple of friends. All right, that maybe I could do. <laughs> so there are a few studies that show exercising in a group actually has some pretty interesting benefits. One study followed nearly 70 medical students. They were split into three groups. One group did 30-minute weekly group core and functional fitness workouts and anything else they wanted to do on their own. The second group did solo workouts at least twice a week. And the third group didn't do anything except walk or bike, but only as a form of transportation. I feel like I've been in each of those groups at like one time or another. Yeah, I kind of feel like we all have, maybe. But all of the participants in the study started out with roughly the same levels of stress and about the same self-described quality of life. But after 12 weeks, the group exercisers improved on all quality of life measures and experienced reduced levels of stress. I'm guessing the non-exercisers didn't change much, but how did the group exercisers compare with the solo exercisers? Well, you're right about the non-exercisers. No change in their routine led to no noticeable change in their stress levels or quality of life. But the solo exercisers actually ended up doing more hours of exercise a week than those in the group, but it was only their mental quality of life that improved. They didn't see real improvements anywhere else. Okay, so the loners worked out more but saw less improvement. So what's going on there? One clue is the group itself. Other studies have found that rowers who synchronized movements had higher pain tolerance compared to solo rowers, and rugby players doing synchronized warm-ups had better endurance. So is it the synchronizing? They think that synchronizing as a group reinforces social bonds. And people are social animals, right? So increasing these bonds causes us to release endorphins. Those are the hormones that make us feel all the feelings. <laughs> okay, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. It's called behavioral synchrony. It happens outside of exercise too, like in church or when people dance together or even just at playtime. Okay, so the key to a great workout is to find a couple of friends and just get in sync? Well, researchers are quick to note that it's not a silver bullet. Folks who tend to be more introverted might get better results from solo workouts, as you can imagine. Right. If being in a group makes you uncomfortable, then putting on a pair of skimpy workout clothes and shaking it down with a bunch of strangers might not be your thing. <laughs> you think? But whether you want to see the benefits of working out in a group or not, the important thing to remember is that some exercise is better than no exercise, no matter who you're with. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Lots of research has shown that when we look for long-term relationships, 
we often look for people who are pretty similar to us. We tend to gravitate toward partners with a similar level of attractiveness who are around the same age and who have the same interests. Yeah, that all checks out. So a new study put online dating under the microscope to see what really goes on when people decide to swipe right. I mean, I have a lot of friends who are conducting their own studies for years. I'm sure they'd love a little insight. <laughs> well, they're not alone. By some measures, online dating is a market valued at nearly $10 billion and is growing by leaps and bounds every single year. I mean, there's you got Tinder and Bumble, Hinge. And OkCupid okay, and eHarmony and Match and Zeusk. <laughs> right, on and on. And they all do things a little differently, but like the principle is the same. You post a pic or two of yourself, you write a little bit about who you are, maybe your hobbies, and then other potential partners check out your profile and try and figure out if you're a match. It's, I mean, let's be honest, it's online shopping, but for relationships. So considering the amount of people that use these apps, researchers Jessica De La Mer and Anthony Lee from the University of Sterling in the UK wanted to see what kind of potential partners these app users tended to pick. Okay, let me see if I understand. They wanted to see if there was a particular kind of profile that people tended to pick? Basically. And like I said, we know that we often find success with partners who are like us. So when we're on dating apps, do we choose people who are like us or not so much? Yeah, I never thought about it that way. Like maybe we choose profiles of people we want to like, not necessarily those that would be a good match. Something like that. So they used a test called the Big Five, which is one of the most widely used personality tests developed by psychologists in the 1980s. It measures personality on five broad traits, openness, conscientiousness, extroversion, agreeableness, and neuroticism or emotional stability. I'm guessing people didn't select partners who were high on the neurotic scale. <laughs> well, I'll get to that because it's an important part of the results. But first, the study. They had the participants view 100 fake profiles with pictures and gender-neutral personality descriptions that were pre-rated for the big five traits. The participants would read the profile and have a look at the picture and then choose yes or no. Swipe right, swipe left. Okay, I got it. Once they had made their choices, they took the big five inventory themselves. Overall, participants preferred agreeable, emotionally stable, extroverted profiles. Yes, that's not surprising. I mean, who doesn't like agreeable, emotionally stable extroverts? Well, here is the thing. They made these choices regardless of their own traits. So, in other words... Oh, they weren't necessarily picking people who were like them. Exactly. And since we have a lot of luck with people like us, that could cause a mismatch. So, we shouldn't look for love online, in other words? Well, not so fast. The study was a fairly small sample. And the profiles they created didn't represent the richness and breadth of actual profiles on actual dating apps. They were each created to reflect just like one of the big five traits. In the real world, people usually build their profiles to reflect a bit more complexity. People's profiles are more complex, but I mean, are they accurate? That is an issue for another study. The only thing we can control is the accuracy of our own profiles and our ability to make choices that reflect the traits that would actually be a good match for us. And, and by us, you you mean other people who, who use online dating apps, right? Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah, other, other people. Other people, yeah. Others. Mm -hmm. Let's recap what we learned today to wrap up. Climate change is altering the color palette of the natural world, from duller autumn leaves to greener oceans, and these visible shifts serve as vivid evidence of environmental impacts while also providing valuable data when paired with satellite monitoring. 
noticing color changes can connect us with climate changes happening in our own communities. Studies have found that doing group workouts can increase the benefits of exercise by causing a release in endorphins. Any exercise is better than no exercise, but it might be a good idea to grab some friends and make your next sweat session a group adventure. A study of online dating found that users don't always pick profiles that match their own personality traits. While the study was limited in nature, it goes to show that some personality traits are more desirable than others, no matter how badly they match up with our own. Curiosity Daily is produced by Wheelhouse DNA for Discovery. You can follow our show wherever you get your podcasts, and we would love it if you could take a second to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.